Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Sarah and Abraham were faced with a dilemma. It's the same dilemma that Lot had. Do you remember Lot? Whose wife turned to salt, a pillar of salt, who, after having been with Abraham, such a great godly man, destroyed his life. Lot, who destroyed his life, destroyed his family. Lot, that had walked with Abraham, the friend of God, a a great man of faith. And then Dinah. Remember that she left the safety of her home and went to the neighboring uh, people and uh, got in trouble over there and ended up with uh, a young man that she shouldn't have been with. And uh, she lost her purity there. And uh, at the end of the day, she also lost that young man. And as far as I know, the Bible doesn't tell us anything much uh, more about Dinah, but uh, it looks to me like she, uh, she lived the rest of her life alone. Remember Achan that took the, uh, the gold uh, from uh, Jericho and the, uh, and, and the Babylonian garments and he hid those in his, in his tent and at the end he never got to use those, never got to enjoy those. He lost that and he lost his, his family and everything he owned. They were stoned and, and set outside the camp of Israel. Remember Achan? I think Sarah and Abraham's dilemma was the same dilemma that Lot had, the same dilemma that uh, Dinah had, the same dilemma that Achan had, the same dilemma that Samson had. Everybody remembers Samson. He said, I want uh, one of these girls that are over here. And his parents said, you don't need one of those girls that are over there. There's plenty of nice-looking girls here in Israel. And then Absalom. Who can forget Absalom, David's Son, one of the most attractive men in the kingdom. He was, he was certainly set up by being the king's son to have a wonderful life. But he was faced with a dilemma. This is the same dilemma that many of the children today that run away from home are faced with. I think gang members, and I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of gangs around here, and we certainly have them in Tijuana Uh, I think gang members are faced with the same dilemma that that I want to speak to you about this morning. Teen suicide is is at a terrible rate. Uh, And I think teen suicide is provoked by this dilemma that I want to speak to you about this morning. Really, when we think of fornicators and adulterers, adulterers, we will, uh, in in just a few minutes, understand that what motivates them is uh, the same thing Uh, that motivated uh, or the same dilemma they faced that that, uh, Abraham and Sarah had faced. I had a friend of mine. We grew up together. We went to kindergarten together, first grade together, second grade together, all the way through high school together. On the first, uh, first time that I ever went deer hunting, he and I were partners deer hunting together in western New York where I grew up. And he... And I, we, I actually got a deer the very first time I went deer hunting. And this friend of mine uh, helped me carry my deer out of the woods. We were only two days difference in age. I was born May 24th, if you want to write that down. He was born May 26th. We were very much alike. 
We did a lot of things together. We were very close friends. But I moved away from New York, and then I didn't hear much about him until I went back on my 10th year um, um, reunion, uh, high school graduation reunion in 1986. I went back to New York, and I started asking around for him, has anybody seen so-and-so? And I said his name, and no, we haven't seen him. It's been a couple of years. And I, I started asking around, and I was in the group of people that I graduated from high school with. And finally, a young lady from our, from our street came up to me, and she said, you've been asking about so-and-so. She said, let's step outside. Let me tell you about so-and-so. Turned out that after I left New York, he got a pretty good job. But he wasn't satisfied with that job, so he got into drug dealing. And while he was drug dealing, he wasn't satisfied with the easy money that comes from uh, drug dealing. And so one day in a drug deal, he tied up a couple that were there to either buy or sell the drugs. I don't know that part of the... Uh, the detail of that part, but he tied them up and he left the place where they were at. He left with the drugs and with the money because he wasn't satisfied with just making easy money drug dealing. Well, that couple died of starvation. And they found out who it was and this girl that was telling me about it was an attorney and this is the, the reason, the main reason she knew. And, uh, and she was uh, graduated with us, but uh, she said... They gave him life in prison. But he wasn't satisfied with his sentence either, so he hung himself in his jail cell at the age of 25 years old. The same dilemma that Sarah and Abraham faced, the same dilemma that Lot faced when it was to choose uh, where he would go and what direction he would take his family, the same dilemma that, that Dinah faced and that Achan faced and that Samson faced and that Absalom faced and uh, that um, gang members face and that uh, uh, young people that take their lives face and that fornicators and adulterers face is the dilemma of dissatisfaction. Abraham and Sarah were dissatisfied with the life that God had given them at that moment. They were going to get a baby. They were going to get a little boy. That was God's will for their life, to, for them to have a son. But it wasn't God's will for their life to have that son now. And as I consider all that's being done and all that can be done on the foreign mission field and even here at home, home missions, and even here in your community, I realize that one of the greatest obstacles that we have is the obstacle of dissatisfaction. It's a dilemma. It's something that we struggle with, each of us. Even though I've gone and, and we, we hear these, these sayings like, well, either you go or you give. Well, I don't believe that. I believe you go and you give. In our church, I'm one of the, 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 the greatest givers toward foreign missions in our, in our church in Tijuana, even though I'm the missionary there. I've told our treasurer, if somebody starts giving more to missions, I want to know about it. I don't want to know who's giving what, but if somebody starts giving more than me, I want to know I might have to up my missions giving. I want to set the example when it's possible. But you, you realize, as I do, that we all struggle with dissatisfaction. Let me illustrate it to you this way. I remember, and, and probably at least half of this crowd, uh, or part of this crowd will remember with me, back in the day when television was just black and white. 
That's all you had. When color television came out, it was like one person on the whole block or one, just one of 50 of my friends had a color television and everybody was over at their house watching the color television. But, you know, nobody has a color television anymore. Everybody has plasma. Some people have had to remodel their living room to get the wall big enough to have their plasma up on their wall. It used to be that we'd, we'd put video cassettes, you know, uh, there the, you know, the, the, to have a little um, move here or whatever for your kids, videos for your kids. Uh, we don't have that anymore. Now it's Blu-ray. Now it's online. Now it's Netflix. We used to be satisfied with the black and white. Are you following me so far? It wasn't too long ago, and most of you here in this room will remember when cell phones first came out. I remember the first cell phones, they were in cars, and the car had an antenna on the roof somewhere to make that thing work. And I remember that they started selling these fake antennas that people would just stick on the cars <laughs> to make it look like they had a phone. Amen? You remember? Some of you had those, amen? Well, the cell phone's a great invention. I have one. I left it in the car, but uh, I have one, and uh, I think they're great. I think it, it, probably everybody ought to have one if they can have one. Uh, but, you know, when cell phones first came out, there were these little flip things, you know, and they flipped it, and they had buttons on it. And there wasn't, if there was any kind of screen, all it did was show the number and, you know, and some green letters on there. But as soon as they came out with a, with a, with a, you know, a little bit better phone, we, had, we got rid of those, and we bought the better phone. And then the Blackberry came out. You remember the Blackberries? and then the chocolate phone, and then the smartphone, and then the iPhone. And that's not an iPhone. It was i5, i6, i7. I, I don't know where, where we're at nowadays, but I know this. Those of us that had a smartphone weren't satisfied with it. We had to get an iPhone. Is anybody listening this morning? Even though... I was going to say Samsung, but it's probably not a good timing for Samsung, amen? <laughs> but when we had that old, that old smart or that old phone or that old smartphone work just as good, but just because it's the new thing. And then they came out with the, the iWatch, or I don't even know what it's called. You say, well, it's my money. I can do what I want. Absolutely, it's your money. You can do whatever you want. I'm, I'm simply trying to point out that we live in a culture, as did Abraham and Sarah, a culture of dissatisfaction. We're a dissatisfied people. We're never satisfied. We always want more. And we want it faster. And we want it our way. Think of it this way. It used to be when I was a kid, you'd go to McDonald's. There wasn't a drive through when I was a kid, but there were, there were cars when I was a kid, by the way. I owned one. Um, but when I was a teenager, we'd go to, to McDonald's or someplace, and then it wasn't too long, and then they started having the drive throughs But nowadays, you pull up to the, to the drive through there at McDonald's, or uh, if you eat at McDonald's, uh, or wherever, Carl's, and, uh, uh, and, you, and they say, what do you want? Well, I'll have a number three. And they say, you want a regular size, or you want a super size? No wonder we're overweight. I mean, for 30 years, we were satisfied with just the regular size. Is anybody listening this morning? 
You know, back in the day, we'd go into 7-Eleven and get us a coffee for 50 cents and a pack of donuts or whatever. Good, good health food, amen. Now it's not a 50-cent coffee. And by the way, you can still get a, a 50-cent coffee, I think, in a lot of places. And, and, and probably a, a dollar would be about the top. You would pay a dollar twenty or 30 someplace. But no, we, we're not satisfied with that. We have to have a 4 or a $5 caramel latte or whatever it is that you like. That got kind of close to home. Used to be we'd look forward to buying a good Chevy. Chevy's a car. <laughs> At least it used to be. Or a Ford. No, now we need to have a Lexus. Some people are thinking about buying a Hummer. You say, is there anything wrong with that? If I tithe and I give my missions offering, I have money, God's blessed me. If I buy a Hummer, not at all. Nothing wrong with having a Hummer. Nothing wrong with having an iPhone, i6, i7, i8. Nothing wrong with that. I'm simply trying to point out that we live in a society of dissatisfaction. And if we're going to get something done for God, if we're going to go beyond where we're at now, we're going to have to deal with this dilemma. You see, Abraham and Sarah, they just didn't make a mistake. It was a grave mistake. And it was seated by dissatisfaction in their heart. God had already given them all that they needed at that time. He was going to give them more later on. And he gave them more later on. But when Hagar was given over to Abram uh, to wife and, he, uh, con- and she conceived by him, uh, their son was born. His name is Ishmael. And if you don't know the descendants of Ishmael, let me tell you who they are. They're the ones that struck the towers in New York. The terrorists that we're struggling with today, the reason why there's so high security at the airports today is because of the sons of Ishmael. And there's uh, always been war between uh, Ishmael and the son of promise, Isaac. This dissatisfaction is, is a terrible thing that we deal with. You know, when my mom was... When I was living at home, let's, let's put it that way. When I was living at home and I would see my mom do her nails. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with you ladies doing your nails. By the way, I want, I want to say this, Pastor. I don't know if it's cultural or not. But uh, I, I like the fact that, and it's just something personal. I just want to say this because I, I, I feel it's a blessing. And I want you to know that it was a blessing to me. That, that your ladies are attractive, but they're not extravagant. By the way, the Bible does talk about that, but I'm not on that subject this morning. And so they're not all, you know, looking like they're all models and in competition with each other. I, I appreciate that, ladies, that you're not all... Anyways, I better get back on this. <laughs> My mom used to paint her fingernails. Some of your older ladies can relate. And, you know, she'd file her, her nails and her own file. She didn't go anywhere. She did it right there at the house. And then she'd get a little bottle of paint and she'd paint her nails. She, at those days, she painted all the nails the same color. Amen. <laughs> and those little bottles of paint, I think, cost about a dollar way back then. And, and by the way, I'm not too long ago I checked, and you can still get those little bottles of paint for about a dollar for your nails. I know there's more expensive stuff, but you can get for about a dollar. But you know, uh, today, you ladies doing okay? Today, ladies aren't satisfied with that. Today, they want acrylic nails. 
Now listen, I was in southern Mexico in a hotel at a conference down there. And I went up to the front desk. This girl that was there working, she couldn't have been making, for sure she wasn't making more than $100 a week. So probably about 800, maybe 1,000 pesos a week was about what she was making, $50, $60. This was a couple years ago. And she had these extravagant acrylic nails on all 10 of her fingers. And I said, I hope you're not offended, but I, and I'm, I know I'm being kind of nosy, but could I ask you how much you paid for those nails? And she was so proud to tell me she had paid 600 pesos. Now, just, let, let's just bring that to America. Let's relate. Instead of 1,000 pesos, let's say that you're making $1,000 a week. You paid $600 for those nails. She paid 600 pesos. Her salary is probably about 1,000 pesos, maybe 1,200. She paid a half a week's salary for those nails, and she was so proud to tell me. I'm talking about dissatisfaction. I'm talking about we have a children's home, and uh, a few back, years back when we had a lot more kids, we had over 50 kids, and now we have about 20. But uh, we had uh, a lot of girls. I think we had 28 girls at that time. And uh, we started noticing the electric bill was getting higher and higher every month. And so we did some investigating and found out that our girls that had straight hair were curling their hair, and the girls that had curly hair were <laughs> pressing their hair to make it straight. Is anybody satisfied? Sarah's dissatisfaction caused great turmoil in her family and between Ismael and Isaac throughout the ages, even unto this day. It was great, great turmoil because she gave in to that temptation of dissatisfaction. Now, we're all faced, again, I've, we're all faced with dissatisfaction. In some of the simple things and some of the more important things, you know, uh, I hope that none of you lost your house when, when the housing market crashed. But, you know, uh, a lot of people that lost their house, and not everybody, but a lot of people that lost their house lost it because they gave in to the temptation of dissatisfaction and they bought a house that was way over their head. Should have never bought that house. The crisis that this country was in or is in is a crisis of dissatisfaction. People are not satisfied anymore with what they have. They want more and they want it faster and they want it bigger and they want it now. And that's going to limit what we're going to do in missions. It's even going to limit the missionary on the foreign field. We've got to be careful. We've got to uh, analyze what we're doing. That's why I said adultery. Think about adultery. <coughs> what is adultery? It's some man, or, or today it's pretty popular for the women to be unfaithful. Uh, it's uh, just uh, somebody that's unsatisfied. They're dissatisfied with their, with their family situation, uh, with their, uh, their husband or their wife. The children that run away from home, what's, what's going on? They're dissatisfied with the circumstances of their life. And I'm not saying that all children should stay. Maybe some should uh, get out of that uh, dangerous situation. But I'm saying that uh, our society, every, everything around us, we're just uh, we're, uh, permeated by dissatisfaction. Uh, the and, and I don't know how much the internet has helped us. Having Amazon on my phone has made it so easy to just do things without really analyzing. We're, we just started a, a music academy. By the way, 
let me throw in a little commercial here. We have, we have two Christian schools. We have one in Spanish, kindergarten through 12th grade, about 200 students right now. And then we have one in English. It's an American school. It started out as our Rebecca homeschooling, but it now it, it grew into uh, on the field in Mexico. Over 70 students in our all English, and it's accredited through our academy in Bethel Baptist Church here in Santa Ana, California. And so we're, we have two schools. Now, we just started a music academy. We have a small orchestra, and we want, uh, we want more of our people to learn how to play instruments. So we started a music academy. There's over 50 students in the music academy, and they have to pay, by the way. All the teachers are musicians. They're all, they're all Christians. They're all from our church, but they're all, they're all Christians. And, and it's a great blessing. By the way, we need teachers constantly for our English-speaking church. So if you want to take a mission trip, we're there to receive you. But we were uh, a couple weeks ago promoting our, our music academy. And I was looking at the platform. I was sitting down in the audience, and I had a guest speaker looking at the platform. I saw all those uh, music stands, like, like similar to this one, a little bit different style, but they're all up there on the platform. They're all the same. They're very nice. And I was thinking, we're going to get some more musicians on the platform in our orchestra here shortly. And so by faith, I'm going to buy three more of those music stands. And I'm sitting in the church in the back where I sit normally, where I can see everybody and see if they're misbehaving or not. And uh, I just opened my phone and clicked on Amazon. And, and, and I'd already bought them on Amazon, so I did another click, your orders. And then I did another click, buy again. And then I did another click, and I bought three of those, and I put it back. In church. Shame on me. Amen. And what was that motivated? But what, you know, it sounded real spiritual. By faith, we're going to grow our orchestra. Really, what it was was just dissatisfaction. We're faced with it every moment. I mean, we're spending money we don't have. We're, we're doing things that we shouldn't do. And uh, we're going places we shouldn't go. And then later on, the consequences come. Some people are saying this country is going down the tubes in the next couple of years. I mean, some are, a lot of people are selling books and selling DVDs. Some are just giving the stuff away saying, you know, protect yourself. Buy silver. Buy, buy silver coins and, and buy this and buy that. And, you know, and, and fill your, your, your shelves up with canned food that can last 40 years. And buy guns and all this because the country's going under financially. A lot of people are, are saying, that. I'm not a doomsdayer. I don't, I don't believe in all. I didn't believe in Y2K either. A guy come to me and said, hey, Brother Bob, are you ready? He was, he, was a, he was a brother in Christ. He's a brother in Christ. He said, are you ready for Y2K? I said, yeah. He said, what do you got? I said, I got Jesus. What do you got? <laughs> he said, no, no, I know. I said, I got Jesus too. He said, no, but I got a motor home and I got a generator and I got this and I got that. You know, the just should walk by faith. I got the Lord, man. You know, so, so if the planes come crashing out of the air, I still got Jesus. What more do you need? Amen. I, I mean, I got two hands. I know how to work. I can, I can, I can know how to steal also if I have to, to survive. Amen. I'm not a doomsdayer, but I, I do know this. There is going to be a day of reckoning. There is going to be a day of reckoning for our recklessness in spending in this country. So we have this example of the dilemma of Abraham and Sarah. Now, let me show you the flip side of this coin, it'll only be a couple minutes and then we'll be done. In Luke chapter 1. We do not always have to submit unto the temptation of dissatisfaction. There is another side to this coin. There is a way around it. Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. 
There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. Now, now, who do this, does this couple remind you of? They were well stricken in years. They didn't have a child. They were, they were walking with the Lord. Sort of reminds you of Abraham and Sarah. Verse 11. Well, well, just verse 8. Verse 8. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Let's just stop there for a second. When that angel said, Your prayer, thy prayer is heard, I want to be, I want to be honest here and say that I think they had long stopped praying for a child. I believe they prayed earnestly for a while, but the day came when Elizabeth was passed the way of the, the, the women to have a child. And uh, it was, there was no more need to be praying for a child. She wasn't going to have a child. But they had prayed for a long time, and they had served faithfully their Lord. Verse 14, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of uh, Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And this is John the Baptist of whom Jesus said, of those born among women, I guess that's most of us, no greater than John. John was the greatest of the prophets. He was the one that said, uh, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. It was John that baptized the Lord Jesus Christ. It was John that gave his head for the cause of Christ. So here's this couple... They're not satisfied with the circumstances of their life. They want a boy. That was natural for any uh, Israelite uh, woman at, at that time and even today uh, in most cultures. But uh, beyond that, they were serving the Lord and they wanted someone to come behind them and to take their inheritance on in the Lord. And they prayed and prayed and prayed and they were faithful in their giving. They were faithful in their service to God. They were faithful in their living to God. They obeyed all the commandments. They were separated they were consecrated. They were very godly people, yet they prayed and prayed, earnestly prayed and prayed and prayed, and the answer did not come. And they were unsatisfied. They wanted the answer. They wanted that child, and they kept praying, they kept praying, they kept praying. Did they come 
They came, I believe, when they stopped praying, but if they continue to pray, it's okay. Either way, it's the same. But they never acted upon their dissatisfaction like Sarah and Abraham, like Lot. You see, Lot wasn't satisfied. The Bible says that the, the part of the, of the pastors, the camp, uh, uh, the grounds that he took, uh, the area of the land that he chose was like the very garden of God. But he wasn't satisfied with the garden. He wasn't satisfied to be with his uncle. He wasn't satisfied with the, the gar- that area that was just like the, uh, like the Garden of Eden, really, is what it means. Uh, he went on into Sodom and Gomorrah. And he wasn't satisfied with just being in Sodom and Gomorrah. We find, we find him sitting in the gate with the elders of the city. He got more and more involved because of his dissatisfaction. And each of those that we mentioned earlier... Achan. You know, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they left wealthy, very wealthy. I mean, they, had, they were so wealthy, they had gold and they had, they had silver and they had precious uh, jewels hanging all over their bodies. I mean, they just, you know, when they, they brought the, the, for Moses uh, there the offering for the tabernacle, he said, ah, it's too much, forget it. No, 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 bring any more. I mean, there was just a pile of gold and silver. I mean, they, were, they got 400 years' pay in one night. Achan was already rich. He already had gold and silver and other things there in his tent. He didn't need any more. But he was dissatisfied and he wanted more. And he knew it was wrong. And he took more. Samson, Absalom, and so many other examples that we could use. But here's the the good example. In the midst of their dissatisfaction, they decide they're just going to pray about it. What a novel idea for a Christian. Just pray about it. How much more could we do for missions? I suspect that there are folks in churches all over America today that God's calling them to the mission field. But there are still some things they want here in America. I got saved in 1987 in a business meeting. All of you that are business owners, witness to the people that come to your business. Witness to the suppliers, witness to the vendors, witness to your clients, witness to them because I went into a business in Santa Ana, California and to try to sell a book, a book that I had written. And the man, after listening to my sales pitch, he said, he said, Bob, do you know the Lord? And I said, not personally. He said, I do. You know him personally? Yep. And you can know him too. And he took out two tracks. He gave me one. He took out his Bible, but he never really used his Bible. just used the track. He had that track and I think it was called the Four Spiritual Laws or something like that. And he just read through the track with me, and I got saved at his desk that day. That was 87. In 88, Evangelist Al Lacey came through, and I surrendered that. One of the nights he preached, couldn't tell you what he preached on, just knew that I felt miserable that I lived 29 years for myself. 29 years. My whole life up to that, I'd lived for myself. And I said, Lord, if, there's, if I can do something... You saved me for a reason. If there's something I can do, here's my life. It may not be worth much after all the, uh, the wretched things I did in this world, but if it's worth anything and I can serve you, here's my life, 1988. 
1990, I was in Mexico and I went there just to learn the language. I wasn't planning on being a missionary to Mexico or, or even marrying a Mexican, but I did. <laughs> and I was down there and I was out, I don't know, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, one hot August night. I couldn't sleep. It was so hot in the building where I was at. I went outside and splashed water on my face and stood outside and looked over the city. And the Spirit of God just said, there's so many Bible preaching churches in the United States and there's so few here why don't you come oh no no you can't be speaking to me I was single I hadn't even been to Bible college or anything like that but yet God was burdening my heart for Mexico I wonder how many Christians are in American churches today they're still dissatisfied. They haven't gotten enough. They haven't gotten enough saved up. You know, my wife and I have a couple of friends. It was a guy that asked me, what did I have to be ready for Y2K? He and his wife, they were our good friends. Her, his wife was, our, was the best, was my, was my wife's maid in our wedding. It was her best friend. Before they got married, before they got married, she was called to missions he was called to missions. One of the reasons they got married, they, built, they both felt called to be missionaries. They got married. And he said, let me finish this, this many years in my, in my work, and they're going to give me a big, you know, a big payoff to leave. And he said, then we'll go to the field. They never went. Then she got pregnant, had some problems, lost a couple of her pregnancies, and then they had a baby. He said, well, let's just wait until the baby gets like two years old, and then we'll go to the field. And they never went. Twenty-five years have passed since they've been called to the mission field, and they never went because of dissatisfaction. I wonder how many Christians, preacher, are in our churches today looking for something else. Folks, (laughs) Priscilla hit it right on the head. We already have too much. That's our problem. That's not our blessing. That's our problem. Go to the field Go to the field someplace where it's poor and stay there for a couple of weeks and live like the people poor. And you'll realize that a lot of what we have here is not helping us. It's hurting us. May God help us with this obstacle of dissatisfaction. May we learn to just pray through these things and be satisfied with what God has given us. Now, Paul said to Timothy that having raiment and shelter, we should be satisfied with that. We're long past that, and yet we're still dissatisfied. May God help us.